Think about the song we just sang, Just a Little Talk with Jesus, and what it would have been like to have lived during the life and times of Jesus upon this earth, and to have had an opportunity maybe to sit down and just have a simple conversation with the Son of God. And you think about what a great opportunity that would have been. And I think about individuals as we've studied this week so far who found themselves based upon different circumstances at the foot of the cross of Jesus. That looked up at that Savior, who looked up at that man, and saw Him give His life for the sins of the world. And I don't know how you would have responded if you had been there that day, but I think I probably would have responded like some of the characters that we've already talked about this week. As that centurion who made that proclamation that truly this is the Son of God. Or maybe the Apostle John who had gained the trust of Jesus and was going to take control and and to see that Jesus' mother Mary was provided and taken care of. I hope I wouldn't have been like Judas and would run away from the cross because of my guilt and my shame over the sins that I've committed. And tonight, we're going to look at an individual who probably had more conversations with Jesus than anybody while he was here on the earth. A woman who loved him as an infant child. A woman who was highly favored by God and given the ability to give birth to the Son of God on this earth. A loving mother. You know, that's something that all of us have in common that are here tonight. We all have a mother. We all couldn't be here today if we didn't have a mother who gave birth to us in this life and had a part in bringing us into this world. And Jesus certainly had that with Mary. And I want to tell you, of all the characters that I've studied and and put into this series, I want to tell you honestly, this is the hardest one for me. Because I think about the love of a mother for her child. And I think about the roller coaster of emotions that our mothers feel when a child hurts or a child is in pain. The roller coaster of emotions that Mary certainly would have experienced throughout her life in raising and rearing Jesus from a young infant child up until he's 12 years of age and disputing in the temple with the doctors of the law. And then ultimately watching her son die on a cross. This evening, I want us to focus on this woman. And I want us to focus on the love that Jesus had for her and the love that Jesus has for us as we look at Mary as she stands there at the cross of Jesus Christ. John chapter 19 and verse 26 says, When Jesus therefore saw His mother and the disciples standing by whom He loved, He saith unto His mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith He to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. In these two verses, we learn a lot about Mary and her current state as Jesus hangs there on the cross. Apparently, her husband has been dead for at least a little while. And now, as her oldest child hangs on the cross, he looks down and he sees Mary there weeping. Is there any wonder why Mary was there? There's no wonder, is there? 
All the mothers in the audience this evening, if your child's hurting, if your child's in pain or going through something agonizing, where would you want to be? You would want to be there in an effort to try to comfort them and to bring them some relief, but there was no relief or comfort to be found for her son who hung there on the cross that day. And she sat there as a helpless mother at the foot of her son as he gave her charge over to one of his dearest disciples and friends, John. You know, the first thing we really begin to understand about Mary is that she was chosen by God. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end." That's amazing news, isn't it? It's amazing on the front that Mary had never been with her husband, her her betrothed husband at that time. They had never consummated that marriage relationship. And now God is giving her a message that you're going to bear a child. That's miraculous. That's not ordinary. And then the angel reveals that this child is not just going to be any other child. This child is going to be the Son of God. And through this child, God is going to restore the kingdom of David. And to His kingdom, there will be no end. He will be great. He will reign over that house and that kingdom. He'll be powerful. He'll have all authority given unto Him. You think Mary was a little afraid? That's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? I've got to raise the Son of God. I have to be the one that instructs Him and teaches Him and trains Him and disciplines Him as a child as He grows in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Because we have to understand, Jesus was still human. And as a child, guess what Jesus Jesus would have displayed? He would have displayed behaviors of a child. And He would have had to have learned and grown in wisdom and knowledge, as the Scriptures tell us, and His parents would have been responsible for rearing and training Him in that to a certain point. Mary had a great responsibility, but it was also a great blessing, wasn't it? She was highly favored among women. Don't you think all women at that time would have longed for the opportunity to be the one that gave birth to the Son of God? And certainly that had been prophesied of in the Old Testament that a virgin would conceive. That was one of the major prophecies concerning the Messiah and the Savior that would come. And surely there were other young ladies who had looked at that and said, maybe I'll be the one. Maybe God will choose me. Maybe I'll have that opportunity. And Mary was the one chosen by God to bring forth that son who she would call Jesus. Think about it this way. Jesus was her baby. Is there any greater joy in a parent's life than seeing a new child be born? You know, if that's all it was, I think we'd have 15 or 20 kids. (laughs) Because that day is amazing, isn't it? 
There's four days that I hope and pray never escape my memory. Well, five. Let me add my anniversary in there. (laughs) There are five days that I hope never escape my memory. And the first one is our anniversary, January 3rd. So I do know it. I do remember it. But then the other four are the birth dates of my children. And I want to tell you, as a man, I'm not necessarily all emotional and gushy and, you know, would cry all the time. But I want to tell you, those four days, just thinking back to those days and the events that unfolded and the circumstances that surround those days, get me a little emotional. And much more so my wife. And there was something special when we went to the hospital and Elizabeth delivered our first child. And the doctor said, what's his name? And I said, Josiah. Thirteen months later, we go into the hospital again. (laughs) Elizabeth delivers this second boy and the doctor says, what's his name? And I said, Ezra. And a few years later, we go into the hospital and Elizabeth gives birth and they say, what's his name? And I said, Malachi. And we go in a few months ago. And the doctor said, what's his name? And I said, it ain't a boy this time. I promise you, it's a girl. And he said, what's her name? And I said, Abigail Joy. The name's fitting. It's probably the most joy I've felt in my heart. is when those children came into this world. Now I can't even imagine what Mary felt. I can't imagine what a mother feels. To have that child in her womb, a part of you. And through God's working and God's power and God's working through natural order, He allows that child to be born. To come out and take that gasp of air into his or her lungs and to cry out. It's amazing to think about. See, Mary's firstborn son was the Son of God. And as she held that baby in her hands and she cradled it and she hugged him tight and she nursed him and he was part of her and she was part of him, she was connected to God in a way that we probably will never understand. Luke chapter 2 and verse 6 says, So it was that while we were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. A humble beginning for the king of kings. But you know what he had? He had a mother who loved him with all her heart. And a mother that had faith in her God. Now, as Jesus began to grow, we see that Mary was a real-life mother. And she shared some of the attributes of of mothers that we have in our audience today. Go with me to Luke chapter 2. I want to look at an account early in Jesus' life with you. In Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at starting in verse 40 down through about verse 51. Luke 2, beginning in verse 40. It says, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom... And the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. 
And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Parents, you ever lost a child? For just a few minutes maybe? I remember one time I had all three boys with me. I don't know what I was thinking, but I had all three boys with me. And I said, you know, we need to go get some groceries and pick up a few things so mom doesn't have to worry about it. We'll just go take care of it. And I took all three boys with me and we go out. We get in the store. I've got the cart. Malachi's just a baby. The other boys are big enough that they know how to act in the store. And I say, make sure you stay close to me. And all of a sudden I look up and I don't see Ezra. Like, where in the world is he at? And just for those few moments, guess what said into my heart? Oh no, his mother is going to kill me. (laughs) I have lost Ezra. I must find him. And I turned the corner the next aisle, and he had just gone ahead of me, and he knew what we needed on that aisle. And I said, son, please stay close. You're scaring me. Now, Now, could you imagine what Mary and Joseph just went through with Jesus? He's 12 years old. They've gone to the Passover feast. They've, they've worshipped God. They've completed that. And they say, well, we're going to travel home. And they're traveling with a lot of family members in a large company, a large group, as they often did. And they just assume Jesus is with somebody. He's with the cousins. He's with an aunt or uncle. He's somewhere in the group. It's fine. No big deal. They get a day's journey down the road, and what do they realize? Hey, have you seen Jesus? Could you imagine? They said, no, Joe, no, I hadn't seen Mary. Well, I haven't seen. Where's he at? And I could imagine the frantic fear that they felt and looking and wondering, where's Jesus? It's one thing to lose a child. It's you've lost Jesus. This is big. And they had lost him. They go back to Jerusalem because they say, well, we lost him on the way somewhere. We got to go find him. Where's he been the whole time? He's in the temple. He's twelve years old. He's sitting in the temple with doctors and law of the law who know the law, who are debating the law and talking about the things of God. And Jesus is instructing and listening and teaching them at twelve years old. And Mary comes to him, and Mary, as any mother, says, "What? Why did you? You didn't tell us where you were." You had us scared to death. We sought you sorrowing. But we're glad we found you. Think she wanted to discipline him? (laughs) Hey, you stay with us next time. Sure she had to say some of those things. 
But you know what Jesus told her? I want you to understand, Jesus wasn't disrespectful to His mother. But He understood His calling even at 12 years old. And He said, don't you understand that I have to be about my Father's business? Now, you mothers out there, could you imagine your 12-year-old son being at that stage of life, but having the understanding of his destiny and telling you that he had bigger business to attend to than just to be with his family? How do you think that affected Mary? That was her baby boy, but... He was also the Son of God. Could you imagine the struggle that she probably had with that to some degree? She was a real mother. She felt those emotions that we feel today with our children. She witnessed the first miracle of her son. In John chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and His disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to Him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with Me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever He says to you, do it. Now there's a lot of times I've read and I've looked at people that have made commentaries about this uh, scenario and this discussion, I want you to understand, Jesus was not disrespectful to His mother. And when Jesus says woman, that's not a derogatory term. But in opposition to that, it's actually a term of endearment. That He is sitting there and talking to His mother and He's saying, it's not my time yet. And you have to understand who I am, and that I am in control of the time that I perform my first miracle. And that could have been because Jesus understood they weren't completely out of wine yet, and it wasn't time for Him to perform that miracle. And Mary was just, in a moment, kind of anxious about what was going to happen. But notice something about Mary. Why would she tell Jesus that? That they had no wine? Because she understood the power that he had. That he could do something about that. And she got to witness that first miracle. And Jesus eased her mind by saying, Don't you worry. Don't you worry, Mom. I've got this under control. And in the proper time, I'll do what needs to be done. Mary had to share her son. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 46 says, While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward the disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Once again, we could look at this and say that was a little disrespectful of Mary, but Jesus had a perfect understanding of God's will, didn't He? 
And as Mary and, and his brothers, who ultimately didn't believe until after the resurrection, are standing outside desiring to speak with him, you ever wonder what they were wanting to talk to Jesus about? Maybe they had learned or heard that the Pharisees were very upset at something he had said. Or maybe they had heard that there was a conspiracy being hatched to come and capture and punish him. And they were just wanting to get word to him. Or maybe they just wanted to see him and spend time in conversation with him. We don't know for sure. But what we know is they stood outside and what did they do? They said, we want to speak with Jesus. And then Jesus teaches us a great truth about the kingdom of God. Number one, He didn't deny that they were His family, but He acknowledged what? That those who believe in God and follow the commandments of God are His family. As He looked at His disciples, He said, these are my brothers, these are my sisters, these are my mothers. Giving us the idea that, you know what? Your relationships in the kingdom of God and the spiritual family of God are more important than any physical relationship you have on this earth. Because those are the relationships that will stand the test of time. Those are the relationships that will carry over into eternity. And I liken it unto this. Elizabeth and I are husband and wife. There's no closer relationship I can have on this earth with any other person than with her. But in the kingdom of God, she's my sister. In heaven, it won't be Chase and Elizabeth having their own little corner of heaven together to celebrate and have fun with their family. And Jesus teaches us that principle right here. He says, it's all of those who what? Who believe. All of those who obey the commands of my Father. Guess what? They're all my family. And we read passages that teach us about the oneness and the unity that is in Christ. We have to understand the importance of that and the significance of that. Jesus certainly did. But how do you think that affected his mother? How do you think it affected his brothers to deal with the fact that their brother was the Son of God? He was sinless. He was perfect. They were not. Do you guys ever have sibling rivalries? you think your parents have a favorite child? Mary and Joseph had to have had a favorite child, and it had to be Jesus. you think that affected the way that those other brothers and sisters viewed Jesus? It probably had an impact on their attitude toward their brother. Because he was perfect. Never did anything wrong. But they certainly did, didn't they? Why was Mary at the cross that day? She was there the same reason that John, the disciple whom he loved, was there. She was there because a tragic circumstance of events had taken place. And she was going to see this to the end. Now, I might find myself as a disciple of Jesus seeing Him beaten, seeing Him bloodied, seeing Him disfigured. And I might say, you know what? I've seen enough. I'm just going to go to the house. But a mother doesn't do that, does she? A mother sees that to the end. And Mary walked those streets of Jerusalem alongside her son as he carried that cross. She saw Him fall beneath the load of that cross where He couldn't carry it any longer. What do you think she wanted to tell her son? 
Do you think she wanted to plead with him and tell him, you don't have to do this? Because she had seen miracles that he had performed and surely she had enough faith that he could change all of this. You don't have to do this. I don't want to see you suffer. Do you think Jesus wanted His mother to have to see Him suffer? In a physical sense, He may not have wanted that, just like He went to the garden and prayed to God that this cup of suffering might pass from Him. But He also understood the significance of those events and what that would mean for His mother's soul. And I could see Mary there weeping, lamenting, over what her son is going through. You young boys, could you imagine your mom having to watch you in that state? To see you suffer in pain? To know that your death was imminent? And your mom has to sit there and watch it. Every ugly second. And you know why a mother does that? It's because of the love a mother ought to have for her children. That's why Mary was at the cross that day. Because her son was suffering. Jesus looked at that multitude of people who followed Him and those women who walked closely with Him and those women who were lamenting. And what did Jesus tell them? He said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for Me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed, the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bear and the breasts which never nursed. He said, don't cry for me and my suffering. Why was Mary crying? Because her child was suffering. And what was Jesus trying to do? Jesus was trying to comfort her. Hey, don't cry for me. You cry for those who are going to suffer the wrath of God in their own life. Who are going to go through the torture and the torment of paying for their own sins. Who don't accept the sacrifice that I'm making today. And then I always think of the question, did Mary know? Did Mary know all these things? There's a passage in Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 34, where Simeon predicts and gives a prophecy concerning Mary and this child. He said, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary had a lot of signs along the way that pointed to what ultimately was going to happen, but I want you to understand, she never put all the dots together. She pondered a lot of things in her heart, and she thought deeply and intently on a lot of things that she had observed, but she never put it together just as His disciples and apostles never put them together. How many times did Jesus tell His apostles that I'm going to die and three days later I'm going to rise again? Very plainly told them that. And guess what? It didn't all click in their mind until when? Until the resurrection. Until all the pieces of the puzzle had been put together and they said, Aha! That's what He meant. And then based upon that, their confidence took over and their faith kicked in and they got busy serving God and preaching that gospel. The same gospel we preach today. Mary didn't know. There's a popular song that comes on every Christmas that's entitled what? Mary, did you know? 
And you think about some of the lines of that song. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy had walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. (laughs) That's a beautiful song, isn't it? Mary knew, but she didn't fully comprehend. Until she saw Him on the cross with her own eyes. Mary depicts the humanity of Jesus. And that Jesus was a perfect being. He was God in the flesh. We think of Jesus as this perfect, spiritually led-minded individual. And He was. But at the same time, He was the Son of Man. He had a human side to His character and to His person. And when Jesus looks down from the cross and He says, Woman, behold thy Son, we see the human side of Jesus concerned about what? The physical care of His mother. You know what that tells me? He took the command of God seriously. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, it says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. He understood the commandment of God to honor his father and mother. And as he looked down and saw his mother, he knew his responsibility was to ensure that she was taken care of. And in honoring her, guess what he did? He said, John, you take care of mom. And mom, let John take care of you. That was his human side. That was his humanity reaching out, caring for his people's lives. And I want you to know something tonight. Jesus cared about your life when He was on that cross. And just as He looked down and asked John to take care of His mother, He looks down at you and I, and He says, I want you to come and follow Me. And Jesus sees us at His cross and gives us an opportunity to have a part in His kingdom through that sacrifice. Mary had to remember Jesus' mission. At the age of 12, when He told her, I must be about my Father's business. Then we see in Mark chapter 9 and verse 31, it says, For He taught His disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men. And they will kill Him, and after He is killed, He will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask Him. Jesus stated it very plainly to His disciples. Don't you think Mary had heard that at some point? Mom, I'm going to die. Mom, they're going to kill me. But Mom, three days later, I'm going to rise again. We kind of have this idea that, yeah, Jesus knew He was going to rise again. What's the big deal? I've had people make that argument and talk about, what was the big deal? Yeah, he went and he died on the cross, but he knew he was going to be brought back to life. What's the big deal? The big deal is that that suffering didn't have to take place. That suffering is the suffering that you and I should have borne. 
And as Mary looked up and saw her son suffering and him gasping to breathe to continue living before he gives up his life as a payment for our sins, you know what she would have done if she could? You mothers know, don't you? Put me on that cross. Take my baby down. Put me up there. I want to tell you, that ought to be all of us. That we understand that the Son of God shouldn't have had to suffer that way, but He did. No man took his life, he laid it down. And Mary watched that baby boy that she had cradled in her arms, that she had nursed, that she had given birth to, shed His blood on a cross for people who hadn't even lived yet. And if she could have, she would have taken His place in a heartbeat. But it couldn't happen. You know, Mary's faith was put to the test. Luke chapter 23 and verse 50, after Jesus dies on the cross, Luke records, he says, Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and their deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. I want you to picture that in your mind. You think Mary was still there when that body came down off that cross? I bet she was. I bet she was there every step of the way with her son. You and I look at that cross and we see God's son, don't we? We see God in the flesh. We see Him making a payment. And we know that payment's necessary. And without that payment for our sins, we don't have hope. We don't have a promise of heaven. We don't have wonderful fellowship. We don't have a kingdom that we're a part of. And we don't have the forgiveness of sins. We've got to have that sacrifice. There had to be a part of Mary that said, it ain't worth it. It's not worth it. Thank God Jesus knew it was. That though Mary saw her son dying there, you and I see the Christ, the Son of God. I hope and pray that as we examine this woman this evening, that you could put yourself in that place for just a moment and understand the pain that she would have endured. That you can share in some of the thoughts that she would have had throughout her life and 
what she had to watch that day as her child died before her own eyes. There may be some parents in this audience who have lost children. That's tragic. I've got good friends of mine who have lost children at a very young age. But it doesn't matter how young or how old that child is, it's still your child, isn't it? And Mary felt that grief in her heart. And I hope and pray you feel the grief in your heart tonight. That her son and the Son of God had to die in your place. So that you could be redeemed, that you could be made whole. As Jesus' body came down off that cross, I'm sure Mary held that bloody mass of flesh in her arms. And she envisioned that baby that she had given birth to in Bethlehem and now seeing what He had become. And that was because of us and our sins. If you have sin in your life tonight and you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins, there was a great price paid. Jesus suffered for you. Jesus gives us a command as He looks at us and our repentant heart because of the guilt we feel over our sin, He offers us an opportunity to be reconciled to God. He says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Don't let that death of Jesus be in vain for you. But you come to Him repenting. You come to Him obeying and being willing to submit to His commands and be baptized into that blood so that you can be forgiven. So that you can be made whole. And so that you can have an inheritance in eternity with God. We would urge you to do that tonight. If you're here and you're a brother or sister in Christ, but you've got sin in your life and you've been baptized, but you know your heart's not right tonight. I want you to envision holding that bloody body of Jesus in your arms. And asking yourself, is this for me? And as His body was broken on that cross, you can bring Him your broken life tonight. And we would ask you to make your request known if you have a spiritual need as we stand and sing the song of invitation.